Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. A while ago, I got a message from Trent in Texas, who asked me to do an episode about what an elder looks like in a small house church. I had the topic in my queue for a while and recently connected with Trey in Memphis, who, as you'll see, is the perfect person to talk with when it comes to elders in simple house churches. As Trey shares, biblical elders in healthy churches are a critical component to truly seeing no place left in a city. Listen after the interview for how to leave a comment, ask a question, or jump in to pursue no place left yourself. Yeah, how I got connected with MPL is like very intertwined just with my story in general. Uh, I came to Christ in uh, 2014, April 2014. Uh, that was my senior year of high school. Um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian household growing up. I never heard about the Bible. I didn't know the gospel. I had zero Bible knowledge. Mm. I didn't even know the story of Noah. It, it was... Mm. Crazy man! I didn't know jack squat other than Jesus was the dude on the cross at all the churches who and he died for the sins of the world. But I had no idea what that meant, you know. But man, I came to Christ at this church that buddy invited me to. Man, I, I after hearing the gospel, I was like, man, Jesus loves me enough to die for me. And it's worth it for me to surrender my life and live for Him. And so I gave up living for myself, or, or I, I decided to follow Jesus that day, you know, and uh, it took a while for me to learn what that meant, but I think about uh, a year and a half into that journey, I, when I decided to go to the University of Memphis because um, I knew that God had called me to preach the gospel. That was just so clear to me, and that's what God wanted me to do with my life, so I decided to go to the University of Memphis. Uh, at the university, um, I was sharing the gospel with people all the time, it's been like as best as I knew how. You know, I would I would honestly just share the crucifixion story in detail. You know, that was like <laughs> what I would do with people and share my story and different things I'd seen God do. And uh, one day I uh, got a knock on my door in the in the dorm, and it was the third floor RA, and he he was like, "Hey man, we had a Bible study in the lounge. Uh, you want to come?" Um, and, and so he knew that I was Christian because I talk about Jesus a lot. And so he invited me to this Bible study. When I went there, I met a guy named John, uh, John Prescott. And I came in there locked and loaded to share the gospel with all these guys. And, and John was sharing the, the bridge diagram, you know, the Romans Road. A lot of people use that to share the gospel. I'd never seen that before. And, and at the end, he asked Braxton if he wanted to follow Jesus, and we could do it together. And uh, Braxton said, yeah. And it just blew my mind all the time. I had been sharing the gospel. People never thought to ask them if they just wanted to follow Jesus and do it together, you know. And so I was like, man, let's start meeting in my room. And what I didn't know at the time was that um, John was connected to Zach, who was, you know, Zach and Ron, uh, Ron Search, and they were leading a lot of charge for the No Place Left Vision here in Memphis. But John was being discipled by Zach and trained by Zach at the time. And so what I didn't know was happening was when I opened up my room to uh, start this Bible study, John had led those guys to Christ. He had led two of those guys to Christ. A third one came to Christ. And there was, you know, me and like another believer that were doing this. So it was me, us three, and another three. And we uh, started this Bible study meeting in my dorm. You know, long story short, 
we had a vision to see you know everybody reached in our dorm by the end of the semester everybody hear the gospel and uh, and so we started going to town sharing the gospel and we led people to Christ and baptized them and we went through um, a list of basic commands and at the end uh, we were like man this is what a healthy church does you know or do we want to identify as a church here in this dorm on campus and so we all identified as a church and then I went to a training and that was the first time I realized I was a part of something way bigger than just what was happening in our dorm I met I met Zach and I met uh, uh, Jeff Lindell and those folks and I really caught the no place love vision I was like wow this is there's something way bigger than just me and in our dorm you know yeah that's so good I love just the little handle that we got to invite people we got to ask a question as we share the gospel oh, that's just such a really cool practical thing that I think I know there was times in my life I didn't know that so that's pretty cool that's pretty yeah. just hearing somebody do that yeah man yeah that's a, it's honestly like really really critical part of sharing the gospel is not only like just sharing the the information of the gospel but giving an invitation you know mm-hmm. into this this kingdom of God you know into this relationship with Jesus through the gospel you know yeah. and so just ask people, you want to, do you want to follow Jesus? You know, we can do this together. Something simple like that is huge, you know? Yeah, so could you tell me a little bit more what happened then with that church at the dorm? I'd love to know kind of what happened next. You know, after we had started that church, we started it with new believers um, and and three pre-existing believers. That Dude, that church, man, we had a great time. We would help students move you know, move into the dorms, move out, and we were blessing folks and sharing the gospel constantly, but the school actually threatened to expel us um, because we were sharing the gospel and baptizing students on campus at the dorms. You know, one day the, the RA, the third floor RA, he came to us and told us that that if we didn't stop sharing the gospel and baptizing students, they were going to expel us. <laughs> we jumped into um, Book of Acts where they tell them to quit preaching in the name of Christ. And, and they're like, we're going to obey God, you know. And, and uh, they went away. They went their way rejoicing. And that's, we were just like, this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, like. And so we were just pumped, man. But so we just kept sharing the gospel. Like, what are you up to now then? Love to hear that. I'm an elder of one of our churches called City Church. Um, the the church has about 35 members, and uh, when when COVID actually hit, we uh, because we couldn't meet in the living room, we had couples in our churches who like needed to be extra cautious and safe, and for their sake, like we all decided we would split the church in half, and so. We, we identify as uh, a church of churches, and so we still meet once a month as a, as a full church, and sometimes, you know, we're pushing, we're, we're at 35, pushing 40 sometimes with guests and things like that. Um, and so I'm an elder of the church, but then like the specific gathering that I'm like really overseeing and shepherding and investing in is, is uh, the gathering that meets in our house. And so... A lot of what I do is investing in our church, um, providing a lot of direction, um, shepherding a lot of people, trying to solve issues and problems, you know, that, we, that we're facing. And, you know, just like that's one of the things about being an elder that's that's hard that I think is like a filter 
for for leaders and elders just jumping into that topic is when when rubber meets the road it's not easy and a lot of people are looking to you for answers and direction what do we do about this and what do we do about that and you know and so a lot of my time is that but i'm also investing in a lot of the other um, elders across memphis and so we have a gathering a quarterly gathering um, of, of 16 elders across uh, our network, the No Place Left Memphis network. So we have about 16 elders. We all come together and we, you know, struggle like together, you know, on our journey as elders of shepherding our churches towards maturity, sustainability, and multiplication. We're, we're talking through different problems that we're facing and just encouraging one another, trying to see more unity across our churches and those leaders, but ultimately want to see the churches mature and sustain, you know, and multiply. So it's really about the churches. It's, it's not about gaps and in the new places, new peoples, you know, um, but rather the people that we already have, that we are stewarding, pursuing uh, depth and you know, maturity. I think this is a really important conversation because and then I'm particularly talking about those of us who haven't been around house church networks in a church context have maybe a very uh, already set view of what an elder in a church with a building that meets on Sunday morning kind of looks like. So I think this is just really helpful to even see a bigger picture, both from yourself being one and also others you're raising up. What are you learning about just an elder in a, in a simple house church or in a network that you're like, you're talking about? You know, when you think about uh, pointing elders, you know, you look at uh, Timothy and Titus and, you look at different, you know, what skills do elders need to have, you know, and what, what character do they need to have and these qualifications of what elders are, you know. So we, we'll look at those passages trying to appoint elders and we hold one another accountable to those standards of elder. But what, I, what, what I'm learning is the skills aren't necessarily the hard thing to find in people and appointing or developing those leaders. Um, the skills are actually pretty easy, you know, because a, a lot of what we do in, in simple churches and house churches is we use a lot of tools and methods that are easy to pick up on. They, you know, provide structure and uh, direction. A lot of that stuff is built into those things so that anybody can pick it up and do it. You know, that's kind of the why we do this, simple and reproducible, you know. And so a lot of the skills, you know, a, apart from just handling, rightly handling Oregon, are um, pretty easy. What I find and what I'm learning is more difficult is kind of the character of elder. So, um, and when I say character, I'm not necessarily talking about the character qualifications, like you must not be a drunkard or, you know, his husband or one wife manages household. Those are, you know, things like that are like, that's not hard, but past that, you know, there's a verse that says, uh, this is First Timothy 3.1, it says the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that elder, you know, he desires a noble task. And so, like, what I find harder is more challenging in finding or appointing those leaders is people who aspire to that role, you know, or who desire to be that role. That's a lot more of the challenge and a lot more of the character that I'm talking about that's really got to be in place because in order to be a good elder, or shepherd of a of a gathering, and you have to aspire to it. 
You have to desire it. You know, First Peter 5, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. So you have one is like people who might do it under compulsion. So like we need an elder. Who is going to be an elder? Oh, I'm the most qualified guy, so I'm going to do it out of compulsion, you know, or something like that rather than willingly. Um, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, you know, but eagerly. You know, so not for it's about me and how awesome I am, you know, or how much I know or not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So that's the last little compare contrast, you know, not domineering, being behind people with a stick, you know, like trying to beat them to do what you want them to do, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but leading, leading the charge, you know, by example, being what you want to see others others be or grow into I, I find that those are a lot more of the, as we share hey guys we're looking for uh, elders does anyone aspire uh, to become an elder does anyone desire to, to do this and honestly not many desire that you know because it's a big responsibility it's it's weighty because we're we're general, genuinely caring for the souls of the church and, and the life of the church and providing um, direction, meeting needs, and all the administrative tasks that come along with gatherings and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's weighty stuff. And so, you know, that's one of the things I think that's a strength about, uh, you know, uh, simple churches or house churches is we know the people and we're really invested in our, in our lives and, and in the life of the church. And so... But what that means is that, <laughs> the, you know, it's, it's heavy, it's weighty, and it's uh, a lot harder to find people who, who desire that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but what's awesome is we have a lot of people who, want, who are out, you know, sharing the gospel in their neighborhoods. And, you know, they're, the reason, a lot of reason why they don't want to be overseers or, or elders in, our, in, in the church is because they want to go start new things. And so I find that that's another thing is like just calling or gifting some people want just to have this drive and desire to go and start new things in new places, you know, and they're in their neighborhoods and, you know, in their different communities sharing the gospel and trying to lead people to Christ and care. Um, but other people are just naturally going to start shepherding. And uh, and so we have uh, a guy we appointed elder, um, I think it was a year ago um, now. His name's Tylen. Um, he's a great brother, but he joined our church in the very beginning and he just naturally you know, organically started shepherding a lot of people, you know, in the church. And, and it was just like, well, Thailand is like kind of, you know, functioning as an elder already without anyone asking him to do that. And it was just out of his own desire and goodness of his heart and loving Jesus, trying to love others, you know, like that, those are what I'm learning about appointing elders because we don't want to just appoint elders of people who are like have a burden and desire to go, you know, because then it's like, constantly shuffling elders and there's no one who's really grounded and going to stay you know they're going to be here for a while so we all we're this, this struggle sometimes especially in our in our network in our communities is appointing elders of people who are really mm-hmm. you know passionate about going that's really awesome to hear you just pay so much attention to that i think is really encouraging maybe it is the story of Thailand, but whoever would any um as you talk about some of the challenges any like a story come to mind of a win kind of in that area where you just saw somebody 
own that maybe shepherding gifting that they had and step into it. And if it's Thailand, feel free to, to just share yeah. if there's more to share there, but would love to hear yeah. that. Thailand is definitely one of those stories, you know, like what, what we want to see, you know, example, mm-hmm. what we want to see in elders, you know, Thailand was a pre-existing believer and he had functioned in a lot of leadership roles in churches and ministries he was a part of in college. But he moved to Memphis uh, and got a job here, and he met a guy that was part of our church. And uh, he was looking for a church, him and his wife, uh, Megan, and they they joined the church just as, you know, mm-hmm. just as members of the church. They just wanted to be a part of the church and loved the way that, uh, we did things and the family feel. And, and as the church started to grow, uh, Thailand uh, just naturally started shepherding and, and uh, eldering. You know, he just started doing it, and we didn't ask him to do it. He just cared, and he had that gifting. I think it was after um, Zach. You know, Zach's a part of our church, but he like approached Tyler and was like, "Man, you uh, you should pray about being an elder." You know. And uh, that's uh, when I asked Tyler about this, and he said that's really one of the things that jump started his desire, aspiring to be an elder, was when somebody encouraged him and said, "Hey, you're doing this, and you're doing a good job already." You know, he then he started praying about it, and when we started to say, "Hey, we uh, are looking to appoint, you know, new elders," um, our church was around 30 people at the time. We already had two elders. I'm the third one. And then we were looking for another one, even just to kind of keep keep things going. And um, a plurality of elders is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really good, man. Like, that's another thing about pointing elders, man. So you kind of want to have a team of elders, a plurality of elders. You don't want it to just be all on one guy. But anyways, we were like, we're looking for another elder. Is anybody, you know, if anyone aspires to this and, you know, we're praying and fasting for this. And Island came up and approached us he approached me and another guy another elder and said hey i uh i'd like to start talking about becoming an elder of the church and <laughs> and so we looked at some qualifications you know looked at the qualifications and asked him where he felt like he was at with those and we were all like tylen you got it you know you, mm-hmm. you got these things and he was like but he himself was like oh I, I feel like i need to grow in one of these areas and and take some time to really pray about this and and so he took the qualifications really seriously and he went home and prayed about it and was working on those areas very intentionally mm-hmm. and when he felt like he was good we told the church hey guys we're um you know planning on appointing uh tylen as an elder of the of the church if anybody, you know, has anything, you know, against that, bring it up, like come talk to us about it. And so, but nobody had anything bad to say and everybody was just all thumbs up for time and being appointed. And, and so after uh, a season of that praying and fasting and uh, wrestling with those qualifications, man, we appointed him and, and he's just been, man just a strong brother to lean on <laughs> as a fellow elder i've been learning myself uh just how how uh, as elders we need to play into each other's strengths you know mm-hmm. so where i'm weak thailand's actually strong and so i'll i like lean on him in my weakness and i'm like thailand i need you to do this mm-hmm. like will you help me with this you know and things like that and so he like comes forward and is you know, leading in those areas, and I'm over here, but you know, leading in my areas, and we partnered together like that, and uh, it was just beautiful, man. It's awesome. Mm. So, yeah, you mentioned your quarterly rhythm 
for kind of across the network. I was curious if you could hone that into maybe it's weekly, but what about not everybody, but just you guys, like you and the you and Tylen and yeah. any other elders? What what is aside yeah. from of course you're you're at your weekly gatherings with the church? What yeah. what are some of the things you guys do? What what does that look like to be an elder in that capacity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, we're talking all throughout the week. I'm texting and phone calls and stuff, and we're like, you know thinking about next week and thinking about directions that we want to go in We're, we do flock updates you know mm. so like you know hey man uh i haven't heard anything on this person recently maybe they've been out for a few weeks have you seen them <laughs> well you know what's going on with them or we talk about ways to bless people or how can we encourage them you know there's different things like that but our, our rhythm like our hard time if we miss all just throughout the week is wednesday and we're going to meet on Wednesdays and we're going to talk through, just talk through the health of the church and our next gathering or any event that we're about to do that's coming up. And we're, we'll just plan through that stuff and pray for the church and things like that. So that's not just me and Tyler, but that would be um, the other elders of the other church too, because we still function as one church, but we have two separate gatherings. We come together once a month, just all together for like more of like a celebratory gathering mm-hmm. where we share a lot of testimonies, take Lord's Supper, worship, pray together, and then just enjoy one another's fellowship, people that we might not get to see, but we still love each other, you know, because these two churches were born out of one church. Um, the other two elders, we do those calls together. Um, but recently, me and Tyler have been ta- doing a lot of talking on our own, too, just about our specific gathering. So. Yeah, well, then let's kind of bring it together. Tell me your story. How did elders happen in that dorm church that started uh, as you guys went through the commands and, and were learning to follow Jesus together, and then you decided that you wanted to identify as church? I'd just love to hear any, whether that's your story or that church's story, how that kind of went. You know, John was really the one main guy leading and facilitating uh, our gathering. We were going through some basic commands to love, make disciples, give, and different things like that from Acts 2. And at the end, so after about, you know, nine-ish weeks, we uh, came back to that Acts chapter 2 passage and, and we're like, hey guys, this is what church is, you know, what we see the, the, the church doing here in Acts 2, what's keeping us from just identifying as a church because what we realized was whoa we're doing all the thing the same things that uh, that uh, that the church is doing in that you know and so we identified as a church actually before we appointed elders yeah that's perfect and that reminds me a lot honestly of acts of paul's missionary journeys as he would when he would circle back around to the churches that had started they would that's when he would appoint elders i mean there was months at least i can think of where there was time where there wasn't appointed leadership there were probably natural leaders but then he appointed them he right. and barnabas before they left so that's that totally yeah. makes sense yeah i think that's a, that's one of the critical things too is like normally you know i think in our culture we like to appoint a pastor you know first and then a team around them and then you form a church around them you know hmm. But the example you see in the, in the word is that the from Paul, you know, Barnabas, you know, as they're going out, starting these churches first, and then appointing the elders later. So like when he's talking to Titus and Titus, he's like, go, you know, and appoint the elders in each town, you know, like I like I told you, and you know, in the churches in each of those towns, and the same thing 
with um, you know the end of the first journey, they went back through and appointed elders, and it says in each of the churches. Uh, honestly, I don't think that Paul considered the work, you know, the work of an apostle or a missionary completed until the uh, elders were appointed. So that's, I think it's like the final stamp, you know. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a good reminder on both ends. It's a good reminder for those of us that want to start new churches amongst lostness that um, we do, we need that, whether you call it the final stamp, or we need to, to follow that biblical precedent. But then uh, it also, on the other side, uh, maybe the detractors that would say, oh, like what, you can't just, you need to do the formal pastor that gathers a team and launches a Sunday morning service is like, well, we're talking about starting a church among lostness. So it's going to look a little messy. It's going to look different. But the end goal of seeing an elder led church is still there. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely the end goal is, you know, there's people who are wanting to go, you know, start churches, you know, especially healthy churches. That's our aim, you know, mm -hmm. not just starting churches, but healthy churches. You know, is like the end goal has to be to raise up or, or find that leader, you know, and see them appointed and not only appointed, but doing it well. Um, anything else on your heart? Often, oftentimes in, in our circles and in our network, talking our networks, you know, pursuing the no place left vision, you know, on the road to no place left, we're always talking about, you know, going and starting new things. Um, multiplying other leaders, you know, similar to us. Like we, we tend to attract people who are like us, you know, and passionate about the things that we're passionate about. And so if we're out, you know, um, training and doing lots of trainings and trying to get things started in new places and things like that, oftentimes we multiply people who are going to do a lot of the same things. And, and that's good, you know, like Paul had, you know, his band of guys that were with him that did a lot of this similar things that he did. So Timothy, Silas, Priscilla and Aquila, Aristarchus, you know, like all these different people who are traveling with him to these different places and things like that. You know, they're like that, that apostolic band with Paul. But then you also see when Paul goes to these, uh, to these places, especially on like the, the second and third journey is Paul's gathering elders together. And it, like, especially the Jerusalem Council, it says that the whole congregation came together and the apostles and the elders. Um, in Acts 20, he's gathering all of the elders together. You know, there's all these elders that need to be appointed in Crete. There's, you know, uh, all across Asia, you know, there's all these elders. And it's like, where did these guys come from? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think that a lot of the confidence that Paul had. Um, and saying no place left what came from there being elders, local elders in those places, you know. Like the goal was to plant churches, but to have elders there who care for the churches, you know, so those leaders. So oftentimes what I'm trying to say is we're looking for those apostolic, the apostolic band kind of guys who are like the go guys, you know. But, but Paul, you know, was concerned about stay guys first, you know, and then from the the churches that had those those elders appointed and different things like that like this in the second journey he goes through galatia where he had started those churches appointed the elders there and then he comes in and he picks up timothy from there and so oftentimes like we we kind of I, I feel like we kind of do that backwards where we um are trying to create these kind of timothy figures you know who are going to be a lot like us 
and bypass like just starting the churches and and appointing elders and guys who are going to be there you know and care for the church they're going to be the stag guys you know that that comes first to me um and then out of that comes that timothy figure the next guy who's going to go i think that's important talking about elders are just guys that are wanting to go trying to reach a city trying to reach a a place is we need to be concerned with appointing those the elders and the people who are going to stay, you know, because if we don't, we're going to outsend our churches, you know, mm-hmm. outsend these these communities and, and networks, and there's not going to be anybody there to stay and hold it all together and to mm-hmm. see it mature and sustain and multiply, you know, it's not going to multiply unless there's those guys that are throwing their stake in the ground and they're like, this is my place. If you have any follow-up questions for me or Trey, you can check out the show notes or use this number, 321-209-3899. Call or text your question and we'll get an answer back to you. If you're looking for training or coaching, use that same number, 321-209-3899, to get connected. In passing, in his opening story, Trey said, I realized I was part of something way bigger. So if you're feeling a little lost, I'd encourage you to connect to the bigger No Place Left Network for help and encouragement. This is Feeney. Thank you for listening, and thank you for pursuing the lost, making disciples, and reproducing leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.